Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited to have this author with me today. Um, I read this book and I absolutely loved it. It was like a sneaky, mystery, dark, twisty surprise. One of my favorite books of this year that I just, I can't say enough great things about. Um, This is her print debut. So she has an audible original called In Her Skin and her print debut is called The Truth About Ben and June. And like I said, I will be talking this up for a while. I am so happy to have Alex Keister with me today. Hi, Alex. Hi, thank you for having me. And thank you for that lovely introduction. I love the sneaky (laughs) I love it. Thank you. I I feel like I said to you before, I feel like this, I didn't know <laughs> what to expect going into it. I knew somebody was missing. And then, <laughs> like we said, it was like this build. And then I was like totally sucked in. I finished it so fast because I needed to know what happened. And I just loved it. So I'm so happy we're here to talk about it. So, okay. So give me like the rundown of how you got here, because when I went on the website, your website to like, look up your bio and just see any like fun facts about you, I was laughing about some of your first jobs to get to writing these books. And so give everybody a little Alex journey to get here. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you for reading my bio and for laughing because I did want to make it funny. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I, I have always known I wanted to be a writer. I mean, since the age of like seven. And so I was very fortunate to be able to study creative writing at Rhodes College and get a degree in what I wanted my job to be. But when I graduated from college, I had a rude awakening and I realized that nobody pays you to write novels. They pay you to have written novels. (laughs) (laughs) So nobody was going to like pay me, you know, my 22 year old self to like sit down and write novels. Yeah. (laughs) That's how the real world worked. Anyway. um, So yeah, I had to have a slew of jobs to sort of bankroll this ambition. So my very first job out of college yeah. Okay. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out the order. So my very first job was I worked at this company called distressed properties Institute. And genuinely, if you ask me what that means, I would not be able to tell you something about real estate. <laughs> I don't know. It was like about foreclosures, but I was a writer. I mean, they took me on to be a writer. Yeah. But it turns out like you can't teach real estate to writers. You can, I I thought I was like, they should have hired real estate agents and taught them how to write. That's how hard it was for me to understand like real estate. (laughs) What you were doing. Yeah. What I was doing. So anyway, I was very swiftly fired uh, and with good reason. Okay. I'm not, I I really needed to be fired. Um, We're celebrating the firing. (laughs) Yes, 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 absolutely. And they were very kind about it. It was very amicable. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to leave. Um, Anyway, then I Dipped my toe into copy editing. I worked as a copy editor for the Texas House of Representatives, um, which was a great little temporary job. And then finally, I kind of worked my way up and I became a book editor at this very, very boutique romance publishing company, which since you've read my bio, you know that that is a euphemism for erotica. So I I was editing erotica books. Which, you know, as a 25-year-old woman is like a super fun job. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, And then sort of like as I was having this job and editing other people's books, I thought, I think I can do this. And so I started writing on my lunch breaks and then wrote novels essentially until I got an agent within her skin and got that one published. So it's been a long and winding road, but here we are. I real okay. So we went from real estate to politics to erotica, and then we're here today. And now you're a novelist getting paid to write your books because you've written them and they want more from you. <laughs> I'm so curious. To, I can't. Okay, like there have been. I can't even imagine editing some like erotica. Like I don't read that. Not, and I'm not shaming anybody that does, because I was just going to say, I have 
like picked up some romantic comedies that are like borderline porn where I'm yeah. like, oh my God, like I'm like making sure no one's around me. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like people are going to like, what am I reading? Yeah. Like I can't, I'm hiding. Like I don't want your blood front, your yeah, face I'm is like, turning red. Yeah, like I'm like, <gasps> read, but you're like still reading it. It's so, like you're closing it. You're like, what is happening? Yeah. So yeah. I can't even imagine <laughs> what that was like. And So basically you were getting their not, you were getting these novels before they were going to print and you were having to go through and make all like the changes and send Mm -hmm. them back. And you were 25. Now I'm curious to know what was it? I'm, was it like heavy duty? Like, I don't know because I've never read one of these, but it was, was it like, Oh my God, I can't even believe this is, these words are written down forever on a page. Oh, it was <laughs> like just I'm like, whoa, like you're like you're like I can't even relive it because yeah. it was very very heavy duty, very heavy duty. I mean, I don't know how much we want to go to, but like a lot of a lot of um, uh, I feel dirty even like saying it, but <laughs> a lot. I, please, please cut this if you need to, but a lot of penetration and a lot of different orifices. I'm sure. So I'm not sure. I don't even know. I'm just a mad. I don't know. I don't know anything, but I'm just saying I'm sure there were things that are emblazoned in your brain because yeah, you had to. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like this. It's like, and I've never had anybody that's worked at that sort of yeah. boutique, you know. Yeah. But you know, it is, it is funny because the first few months were like, oh my God, this is like, how am I going to do this? I'm like blushing. And then literally <laughs> after four months, you could see the most like raunchy scene of your life and be like, ah, oh, there's a comma splice. You know, like it was so, it cut, you kind of got used to it. Like you're like, oh yeah, this is like, people are having sex in front of me and I have to like tell them, you know, well, you didn't take off your shirt. Like, so this is a continuity error because now he's feeling you up, but you didn't take that shirt off. Oh my gosh. That is what is so, like you explained, like talking about it that way is so funny to me, but there's a huge audience for those books. So mm-hmm. you were probably busy. Oh, very busy. Yeah. I mean, our deadlines were like wild. We had to edit a book in like just a week, you know, you had a week and you would just edit it super fast and. Yeah, it was, they were, they're just like, that yeah. well, the fans, yeah, because the fans want it, especially if it's like a 35 book series, they're like, you know, we need to follow this yeah. man's journey from, you yeah. know, he's vampire worker. Yeah. 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 Something. Yes. Vampire <laughs> slash construction worker. <laughs> right. Which like, hello. Hello. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> um, But like leaving that job. So then you were writing some, were you writing in her skin or were you just writing something to be like, I can write something and I can do this. And then I will. Yeah. So I was actually writing. So the first manuscript I ever wrote was a romance novel. It wasn't erotica, but it was a romance novel because that's sort of, that was my bread and butter at the time. It was like, I know the beats of romance novels. So I wrote that and it was, I mean, you know, it was, it was really bad. And I don't say that with like shame. It was just my first attempt at a book. So it was bad and no one wanted to read it. Um, and then the next one I wrote was like a straight up mystery. And then it turns out no one really wanted to read that one either, which was also fine because I was like getting my, you know, getting my legs under me. Like, yeah. I was super young still. And I was trying to figure out what my voice was and the stories I wanted to tell. So then the third manuscript I wrote was In Her Skin. And that's where I got my agent, got it published. Um, but yeah, and I was having, I mean, I was I was working at that book publisher and then I quit. And then I was doing all these like freelance jobs. I, I was like, yeah, I, I was saw like, Zumba. Zumba, I was a Zumba Which instructor. I'm certified in Zumba too. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Which does anyone do Zumba still? I don't know. So do you don't, do you teach? I don't teach. No, mm. I did the all day training, which was like, I mean, I can still picture it so vividly in my mind. It was in a huge conference room. There was like hundreds of people, everybody. There was so much enthusiasm. I was in so much pain at the end of the day because I literally danced for like eight hours. And I don't even know if I was doing it right. I was just like having a ball. 
And the and you know the instructors are so like lively yeah. and engaging. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So no, I'm not teaching it. But when I got certified, I don't even know how many it was before I had kids. So well over eight years ago, it was like everyone was doing Zumba. Everyone you could do it yeah. like on TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same here. I mean, I was doing it. Yeah. So when I started, I was it was nine. Same same thing. It was nine years ago. Yeah. I would go, I would teach at, I had a 6, 15 a.m. class. And then I would have to be at my book editing job at 8 a.m. And then I remember like those days where I taught Zumba, I would just come home and like crash because I was exhausted. Yes. Exhausted from all the Zumba. And then, and then after that, when I was trying to make more money, I wasn't working at the publishing company. I was doing Zumba and I was at one point I was teaching like three classes a day, which is not like yoga where you can like, just talk. Yeah. Oh no. You have to like do, do the Zumba with your people. <laughs> yes. So I was literally eating like six full meals a day and I wasn't gaining weight because I was so exhausted from all and so hungry from all the Zumba. <sighs> Oh, I love that you, I really do love all the aspects of your journey because I like that you were hustling to write a book and doing Zumba. I feel like that would be, that was the natural progression from the erotica. Then you're like, I'm going to shake it. I am going to do this. (laughs) I love it. But yes, I, I actually, so I actually have been certified in yoga, which you just said that. And I did teach yoga for a long time after I got certified, Mm -hmm. which that was like six months of certification. Um, so I was like, I have to like do something with this, even though it was like life-changing in other aspects, but after the eight hour, I was like, well, if someone needed me to like sub, I could sub for Zumba, but there was no way I could do multiple classes because like I was physically in so much, like so much pain, so much pain, but I'm glad that that was like a support for you and you could, we got you here today. Now my other question to you, yes, Zumba played a huge part for you. And I love that. And maybe it'll make a resurgence. I know people still do it. I just don't think like in the, on the East coast, we don't, I mean, unless it's maybe at the Y, I don't ever see it like advertised. Whereas at one point, like it was a lot of places. Yeah. 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 I was going to say other than the Y, like I can't imagine any other gyms like offering Zumba. And even if they're doing dance workouts, I feel like it's usually called like something at like, you know, like dance fit or what, you know, something yes. like different, not yes. as a Zumba. Zumba. Right. Zumba. <laughs> Maybe we should bring it back. I don't know. Now I'm yes, getting interested. Sure. I need to find my certificate. I'm going to hang that up loud and proud. Loud and proud. Level loud one proud. Zumba instructor. Um, my other question to you though was, because I've never had a guest on where you're and we talked about this before, like you wrote a novel, it was just an mm. audible original. And I'm not saying was just because like we said, audiobooks are books. Listening to an yeah. audiobook is reading. That is fully yes. 100% a thing. And so <laughs> what was it like to have your first book be an audible original instead of having a print come out first? Yeah, I think it was really good for me actually, because it's sort of like, let me come into the publishing industry with like, like through the shallow end, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, instead mm-hmm. of like thrusting me in to the deep end, I sort of got to like dip my toes and wade in. And I don't know, like if I had the journey that I'm having right now with Ben and June, mm-hmm. if I had had that journey within her skin, like, I don't know if like, I could have kind of dealt with it where I mm-hmm. was in my life. Like I was really struggling with a lot of anxiety. And, um, I'm just not sure like that could have just been really overwhelming to me. So I think it was a good thing for me personally. And it was just like putting a book out into the world, except for a few things. Like one, it was a lot faster of a turnaround. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I sold Ben and June two years ago probably two years ago. And in her skin from the time I sold it to the time it came out was nine months. Wow. So I know. So it was like very expedited, which was really cool. Cause then it was like, you know, I sold it and then I got to share it with all my friends very quickly. And, mm-hmm. um, and then it was still really fun and fulfilling. I think it was just the big difference 
was not like the editing process or like putting it out in the world. The big difference was just like publicity. You know, I didn't do a ton of interviews or events because Audible is doing its own thing. You know, they have their own originals and they know exactly how to market to their people. So they didn't lean on me heavily, which now and been in June, I'm much more like involved in the process, Mm -hmm. which is so much fun. And I'm really glad that I'm having a chance to do it for this book, but I don't know, it would have been hard for me like five years ago. If it was reversed. Yeah. Cause you're right. A lot of like authors who are debut authors or, you know, like you, it's your first print novel or just authors in general, it, because of social media, like it is heavily on you guys to, Mm -hmm. aside from your teams and everything at your publishing houses, it, you know, to really get up there, you have to get out there and put yourself out there. And, you know, that's a hard thing to do for anybody, you know, listening to yourself talk and like, you know, do this and buy my book or whatever, but that is such a huge piece. So Mm -hmm. you're right. Like you sort of were able to ease into it rather than just be Mm -hmm. like okay your your debut novel's out like get out there (laughs) right yeah 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 and I do think the cool thing now is that I'm having so many firsts with Ben and June like Mm -hmm. first time I you know did the unboxing and like held the book in my hands I'm like it's cool that I have published a book but I'm also still like getting a lot of firsts this time around so it's kind of like the best of both worlds yeah no I think it's awesome and how are you with like you get an idea for something and and was it different between inner skin and Ben and June and then how how, what's sort of your writing process oh my gosh so the idea part of Ben and June could not have been more different from in her skin in her skin I literally felt like an acorn of an idea fell on top of my head. (laughs) And like, then it it wasn't like I had the book fully formed, but I had so many, so much of what the book was going to be like Mm -hmm. in my head. Um, And then for Ben and June, literally the first draft is a completely different story than the book that is on bookshelves today. I mean, I think the first draft, I think I probably salvaged about like 25% of the first oh, draft. Wow. Yeah, like I really, really reworked the entire thing. Um, and then as far as the writing process, for for um in her skin, in her skin is like a psychological thriller mystery. It is leans heavy into that. It is strictly like that genre. And as we yeah. were talking about earlier like Ben and June is a little bit more like genre bending you know it has a little bit of mystery has a little bit of romance it's contemporary fiction Mm -hmm. you know it's a little blurrier so for in her skin it was very much like I had my outline I had my little color coded uh index cards and I would each chapter was a different color depending on the point of view character And I really followed that very diligently. For Ben and June, I did a lot more of just like writing, you know, like very artistic, yeah, organic writing, Mm -hmm. which I actually think inevitably, or it actually kind of slowed down my process because that's probably why I didn't get to use a lot of it because it wasn't structured and it wasn't tight. But it was kind of what I needed to do to get mm-hmm. to the book that I had today. So once I kind of got that first draft out there and I kind of let everything, you know, just got it on the page in the, you know, weird shape that it was in, then that's when I kind of went back to the drawing board, put up my color coded, you know, outline index cards, and then worked off of that from there. And for In Her Skin, you said you had a little, the eggcorn drops on your head. You had that idea. You had so much of it. Where did the idea of Ben and June come from? So I, I tend to think my most organic writing happens when I'm exploring my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. So in, in Her Skin, it was literally my biggest fear at the time was public speaking. And so I had this idea of an author who's going to hire an actress to go on her book tour. She was so scared to do it herself. Yeah. So for Ben and June, my biggest fear when I started writing the book was my own ambivalence of entering into parenthood. Yeah. 
Um, in most capacities, I kind of know what I want for my life. And yet I've never known whether or not I want kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of those people is like, some days I do. And some days yeah. I don't. Of course. Yeah. And it's like, so it's such a big decision, you know? And so ambivalence about it can, it, it just kind of terrifies me because I think, oh gosh, like what's the right decision? You know, if I can't like, I, I don't know, it, just, it scares me. So, so in her, uh, so sorry, not in her skin, um, <laughs> Ben and June, I'm like, whoa, what novel are I talking about? So, so Ben and June started um, with one scene between these two characters, you know, a husband and a wife who have just found out that the woman's pregnant and they're deciding whether or not to have the baby. And the, these characters eventually turned into my protagonist, but at the time they were just nothing more than the two conflicting sides of my brain. Like Mm -hmm. the one side that wants to have a baby and the other side that can think of a million reasons why I shouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of let these voices have a conversation. And then for the sake of the novel, I decided, okay, they need to have this baby. And then the rest of the book snowballed from there. Okay. So like I said before, okay, so first, like we said, it's like genre bending. I can't really classify it under one single genre. I feel like it's a little psychological. There's a little mystery. There's a little romance. There's drama. Like there's so many things that make up this book, which is why I read it so quickly because you don't, every page and chapter, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to get. And I love that because you're like, you know, you're going through, like we said, Ben's point of view, June's point of view, their Mm -hmm. friends, the, the journal entries, like Mm -hmm. what is real? What is not real? What is happening? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I, and I'm a huge mystery thriller person. So that part of it really like hooked me. But then, like I said, you bring up, and obviously this is coming off of these decisions, whether you or not you want to be a mom, which is like a huge decision. And yeah. I have two kids and some days I'm like, do I still want to be a mom? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I love my kids dearly yeah. and they're great, but like, it is a huge choice. And my husband and I always talk about the days before, like, we'll be like, oh, remember when like, like we, th- during COVID we were yeah. like, imagine like quarantine without kids. Like it would be like TV all day, like all these things. And like quarantine with kids was like school and like, oh my God, somebody has to like monitor. And so like, there's always that. And so, but like I was saying before to you, and I don't think we're really spoiled. I mean, I don't know if we're going to spoil if we say what's going on with June. Do we think that's a spoil? I, I don't know. It, and that's so hard because like, it's such a big part of the book and I, I kind know. of talk around it. I, I don't, I, I, I have so much trouble talking about it. Cause I'm like, I, I do think it's better if you kind of go into the book, not know. Okay. We're not going to say, we're not going to okay. say. Okay. Okay. Because honestly, you're right. When I, I told you, when I read the back of the book, I was like, oh, like, I don't even know what this is going to be. I just knew she was missing. And I'm like, okay, so yeah. June's missing. And there's so much more to June's story. And mm. it's so heartbreaking. And like we were saying before, and, and you were talking about one of the scenes, whether or not you have kids or not, or you have a friend that has children, there is this like mm-hmm. sense of, um, heartbreak and just you can relate on some level and just um I don't know there were like teary moments and and you Mm -hmm. did bring so much awareness to what was going on with her which I like I had said to you before I think it's getting more like these days because I think more Mm -hmm. people are being open and comfortable um Yeah. yeah but the way that you portrayed it in this book especially too in relation to the death of her mom, which I don't think uh-huh. that's a spoil. No, no. Not, no, no. Um, was like heavy. I mean, that's the dark aspect that you were saying, yeah. like it's dark. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder like what sort of research or what resources did you go to, to learn more about sort of June's journey? And yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 
I did a ton of research. Um, I read every like firsthand article that I could find, you know, on the internet about women who are, you know, struggling with new parenthood and going through what the specific thing that June's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most invaluable thing that I did was I just sat down with women who struggled with what June is struggling with. And, um, I mean, those conversations were so, I I'm so grateful to those women because they were so candid and so vulnerable and open with their experience. Mm -hmm. Um, that, I mean, if you can imagine, like we sat down for hours and by the end of it, you know, both of us were crying because it's such an emotional thing. Like new motherhood is emotional in general because your hormones are just super out of whack. And then you can also be going through, you know, suffering from so many different things during that period of, you know, a woman's life or a mother's life. Um, but yeah, I mean, those conversations really like freed me up as well, because I think going into it, I really wanted to write like the universal experience of like new motherhood. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, and you know, what she's going through. And, and then I realized like, talking to each of these women, they were, they all had extremely different experiences, you know, like they're, um, you know, if they were like struggling with anxiety, like it was, their triggers were all very, very different. You know, some Mm -hmm. people have a hard time, like leaving the house or some people have a hard time, um, like falling asleep at night because like, they're, you know, worried they're going to die. Like, you know, if they're not awake. So once I kind of figured, like figured out that every woman's experience is slightly different, it helped Mm -hmm. me to realize, okay, I'm telling like June's journey through motherhood and through, you know, what she's going through. Um, and not like every woman's journey. Yeah. 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 And June, June, the character of June had her own you know, experiences just like all these other people Mm -hmm. that you, that you spoke with. And I did not have, you know, I had probably the basic anxieties, but like, you know, and like, sometimes I would like not be able to cope because it was like, oh my God, you know, you want to just go to like the park and it would take like nine hours to get there. And then you're like, oh my God, like, and then someone like, you know, the baby poops and it's like a whole ordeal. And that you sort of, you know, just as time goes on, gets used to. But I yeah. remember um, when I had Chloe, who's my oldest, mm-hmm. um, I work at a doctor's office. So my boss had come, um, he was like rounding in the hospital and he came to check on us. And he was like, for the first 30 days, it's like a mushroom cloud goes off at your house. And he was like, yeah. there's no right way to do anything. There's no wrong way to mm-hmm. do anything. There's no book you can read. And yeah. honestly, you just have to figure it out and do what is, you won't, she won't break. Like he was like, mm-hmm. she will not break and yeah. it will be fine. Yeah. And I literally took that so to heart and thought of it literally for the first 30 days, because I do think yeah. that that was like an ample amount of time to sort of mm-hmm. grasp the whole idea and be like, you, cause you do get to a point where you're like, okay, like I can go to the park in one hour. Like I can do this. Like it's <laughs> the little victories that you're like, okay. And then as time goes on, it gets easier and not to you know, parenthood is not easy at all. And, yeah. and it gets easier in the sense of like, logistics like you know baby to kid to you know yeah whatever but you know there's still tons of emotions tons of things but I just like what you are saying parenthood is so individual to each person and Mm -hmm. you know yes you can relate to people on so many things like oh that happened to me or whatever but it is so personal and yeah you know it is something that you can try to read about and everything, but until you're living it. And that's the same thing with the emotions piece. Like Mm -hmm. you don't know until you're in it, how you're going to react emotionally or, you know, mentally. Right. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and yeah. And I think like so much of June's experience is sort of my exploration of like 
what my, a worst case scenario would be for me. Because like, mm-hmm. I, like I said earlier, like I've struggled with anxiety now, you know, just like in general. Yeah. And so like, I think about like, if I do have a baby, you know, what would happen? And so like, kind of like June's struggle is like, well, this is like, what could happen to me if like my brain just sort of like, you know, went into like the darkest place. Place. So, um, yeah. And I, and I gave her like a lot of me too. Like, I think a lot of women, um, there's a lot of societal pressure on women to be like, a happy and like perfect mom. And like, I'm personally kind of a perfectionist to begin with. So I can imagine like those first few months feeling like you have like this vision of what you think motherhood is going to be. And then Mm -hmm. I know because every single one of my friends has a baby and they've told me like, it's not that way. It's not how you envision it. It's so different. Like it's, you're struggling to survive. You're not having these sort of like this is like a quote from the book, but it's not about like tranquil, teachable moments, which is kind of how like I, my head, when I am talking, you know, when I'm thinking about like, oh, I do want to have kids. I think about like, oh, like, you know, I could teach them about, I could introduce them to reading and books. And it's like, well, yeah, that's going to be one aspect, but then it's going to be terrible too. (laughs) Right. And then they're like, and I want to read. And you're like, you will read because I like to read. Like that's going to happen. Well, and I think the, no, go ahead. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say like my worst fear. And this is like so flippant. Like I don't sincerely mean this, but like if my kid like liked math more than reading, I'd be like, <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like betrayal. <laughs> I mean, I think of these things all the time. I'm like, my kids are play like stop forcing. Like, I'm like, you should really read a book today. Like what book do you want to read? <laughs> I- I'll take you to Barnes and Noble. Like, what do you want to do? And it's like, which... But I'm, I'm, I'm like, they will, they will like to read. But what I was going to say before, when you were saying about just like you talking to your friends and how like it's, there is this total like pressure from society, you know, to be like perfect and do it all. And like, Mm -hmm. everything's great. And like, you can drive them around and do a million activities and work and, and still do your dreams and all these things, which like, I totally appreciate and believe me, I walk around thinking all these things too. But the other aspect to it these days is like social media. And I think that that with June and what she's struggling with is a lot of what people, there's so much like comparison and what is real and what's not. And I think a lot of stuff that's out there, like these influencer stuff, like that's not really real. Like you're seeing Mm -hmm. all these like glitzy moments and then they do like one off chance of like, see, everything's not perfect. And you're like, okay, but like every single day, something happens to me where I'm like, this is not perfect. Like, and (laughs) so it's like, not just like one Instagram post, like, it's like, that's not real. And I think for people who have anxiety or maybe a perfectionist or, or have, you know, like things that trigger them, whatever, that's so hard. And we're all on phones and we're all on social media all the time. It's like a full addiction. Um, but I just, you know, for me, I, I don't, I try not to like, I'll be like, Oh, you know, that's nice or whatever. But I'm also like, no, like I live and breathe kids all day long. Like it is not mm-hmm. like this. Like yeah. there are, you know, moments where you're really struggling yeah. <laughs> and then there's yeah, moments yeah. where you're frolicking on the beach and you're like, okay. right, right. yeah, yeah. No. And I think to your point, like, it's so easy to, cause when we compare ourselves to people, like I'm comparing all of me, all my flaws, everything that's yeah. wrong that I consider myself, you know, wrong about myself. I'm comparing that to what I see on social media, or even if you're a friend, like what you tell me, you know, for the hour that we got coffee once a week, you know, and right. Even that is curated information. Like even I, if I'm having the world shittiest day, I'm not usually, I'm not going to just like dump that onto one of my friends because you know, I know they would like, listen, but you kind of try to balance it out and not be like the most negative <laughs> person ever. Right. Um, and so even that is like, not always the truth. It's not the reality. It's one hour of a week. So yeah. And June's really struggling with that too. She feels like, um, the moms that she's like becoming friends with have it all kind of figured out. And then once you like, once you're going through the novel, you start to realize like, each of those women, like they also have something going on, you know, yes. in their life that, you know, they're, they're comparing to, you know, themselves to other people. So everybody has their thing. Everybody has their thing. And it's so 
bad to compare ourselves, but you know, I, I'm victim to like, I do it all the time. It's just Same. human. It's yeah. human. Totally. And I think like we were saying, like, it's just so emphasized these days because nothing is like, you know, seeing it just on a TV commercial. I mean, you literally right. see it everywhere. So much social media, you know, all these things. So, um, and you're right. Her friends that I loved that whole aspect of the book, um, the friendships and sort of where they come out and, um, some of the stuff that, that they say and stuff. And even though I know this is a novel, like moms can be, and thankfully I knock on wood, I haven't really, I haven't met any, but like, you know, moms can be judgy. Like they can be judgy yeah. and have their opinions yeah. and what, you know, what I did is the right way. This is the way I mm-hmm. did it. So this is the way, but yeah. like, it's like, well, no. And you have to get your head around that very quickly because, yeah. you know, they're like, join a mom's group, do this. And that's where you can really be like, oh my God, you know, why is her baby sitting up? My, my baby's rolling right. over. Like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, um, but then on the flip side, getting away from June and just going to Ben, I, you know, Ben is so, you just ride the emotions with Ben of the whole book because you're like, oh my God, concerned, then you're upset, then you're angry, then like, you know, and it's the whole thing. And, but he's just there searching for answers and you just want to give him a big squeeze. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. Cause I, I was so worried that he was going to be, I mean, he's so angry at the beginning. And then once yeah. he realized like, oh, actually June's going through a ton and he has no idea, you know, uh, like when you write these characters, you have so much empathy for them. And I was so worried that people are going to judge certain characters. So I'm glad to hear that you had, you know, you wanted to give him a squeeze because he's really struggling and he may, he's so flawed. He's complicated. He makes a ton of mistakes. But he, he like loves June and he's, yeah. you know, he's really trying. It's and so funny. He's like a right? single parent for the, for yeah. the time being. So you're like, yeah. oh my God, like he just was left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you, if you have no context, it's like, there's a clear like villain here. And that's how he interprets the situation. Right. of like, right. Oh, things got hard and my wife left me. Like, what were those vows for? You know, that, that whole, yeah. so he, that whole journey. So, Yeah. It's so funny because like I, I think I originally started writing the book as like a mystery thriller and, Mm. and then I realized what changed it for me is that I realized how much Ben and June like really love each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't, like, I can't take that. Like, I can't make them sort of like, I can't take them to that, like hatred of each other place. Cause like they really love each other. So I think that's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like the thread of like heart throughout it is that you know, you're really rooting for this couple, or at least I hope you are. No. Yeah. And I think it just, you showed the power of emotion. I'll be good, bad, the ugly. There's Mm. so many emotions, but how powerful that can be and how, if you put that first and for him, like you said, there was this thread, he was so determined to be like, you know, what happened, what's going on, learning all these things as he goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And same thing for her, you know, at the, like the whole ending and everything. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I don't know. Again, like, I just love that we can't really classify it. I don't know. It was, it was mystery thriller-ish. I don't know. There's so many elements. Yeah. It's so hard because I, yeah, it's so hard to talk about because I'm like, I don't know what to tell people. So I'm like, there's a thread of mystery. You know, there's, there's a lot of like heart and, you know, some, warmth there um I yeah it's so hard to classify my favorite like rating or like review that I've gotten so far is people are this one reviewer said like it's really hard to put this book in a bucket <laughs> like is it a yes. thriller? is it a is it a romance and it's like but that's how you know I it sounds like you do too like I read across so many genres like yeah. I'm I, I love reading you know mysteries I love reading contemporary fiction you know I read everything I can get my hands on. So I think it's, I think that's like where it came from. It was very organic of like, well, this is what I like from the contemporary genre. And this is what I like from, you know, mystery. So I hope it's satisfying to readers in that way is that they're kind of getting a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, I think, I think anybody would be pleased. And like, (laughs) you would just, 
you don't even need to tell, just tell people to read it. They just need to read it. They can figure it out. They can share what bucket they'd put it in. We want to know, we can pull people. You should pull and be like, what do you think this book falls in? Be so interesting to see what people say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Are you, um, are you working on anything new now? Oh my gosh. I'm trying to. So I actually, I had the pleasure of working, spending most of my pandemic collaborating with another with the writer um or she's a true crime podcaster ashley flower she is the um the founder and co-host of crime junkie so we worked on a novel together and that's coming out in august and that's like a straight up mystery thriller this august um, this august oh yeah. is that the, it's like all the peep something all good people here all yeah. good people oh i did i was just reading about that book and i added really? it to my wish list i didn't know that you were part of that yeah yeah so i'm not on the cover but i'm on the title page um but we collaborated on that together so that was sort of like a truncated timeline um and so we turned that in like i don't know in march or something and then oh, wow yeah and then maybe fe- yeah i think march and then like publicity for Ben and June kind of like amped up. So I'm sort of, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my next one is going to be. And I don't know, I have all these characters and I don't know what they're doing and I don't have the conflict. So I'm planning like a, a brainstorming retreat for myself. My parents have this house in the country and I'm planning like a few days of like a getaway where I just bring my little So I'm excited about that, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be yet. Okay. Ooh, that's fun. I didn't know. Okay. I can't wait to read the book in August. I'm yeah, so excited I know. about that. It's so fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super dark and twisty. I mean, it is straight up like mystery thriller, but okay. I'm really excited about it. It's, it's really, it's really, I think it's really fun. So. Okay. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to keep, you'll keep us posted on your the next phase of Alex yes, Keister. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So we are going to do Alex's chic list. Um, okay. Here we go. Alex, what three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead, would you want to have a book club with? Okay. So I have chosen Reese Witherspoon love because, um, you know, I love all the work she's doing. I mean, who doesn't love Reese Witherspoon? She's so glamorous. Um, she also is doing a lot of work to amplify, you know, female storytellers. Um, so I would love to have her in my in my book club. The next, the, my second pick is I have former President Barack Obama because he is an avid reader, um, but he also like I don't know if he still does it but he publishes like a list his year-end list yes. of favorite books yes, yes he still does that he still does that so he recommended a book I say to me but really just to the world but he recommended a book to me on that list and it turns out to be one of my absolute favorite books like ever and oh. um yeah so it's Long Bright River by Liz Moore have you read oh that, that was so good <gasps> I loved it so I mean much. That's also like the truth about Ben and June, bringing awareness to something that is so prevalent in our society today. Yeah. And it was so good. It was so good because it's like this like twisty, hard-boiled mystery. And also you have a real emotional center there between these two sisters. sisters. And that's what I love. I want like a mystery. I want all the twists and turns, but I also want like characters who are like struggling with stuff. You know, I want real stories. Like I want that part. Yes. Oh, oh, I love it was so part. good. It was so good. So good. So I feel like, you know, Barack Obama and I might have similar tastes in, in books. So I feel like, you know, he'd be a good person to have around. Um, and then my third one is Ann Patchett because I love Ann Patchett so much. She's and I really feel great. like- yeah. And I feel like she'd be so insightful and so smart. And I'd love to hear what she'd say about books, like on a sentence level, you know what I mean? Cause like her sentences yes. are so beautiful that I would just be like, so Anne, what do you think about this sentence? Like, how would you like, what would you change? What would you do? Anything? I don't know. 
Okay. I like that. That's like a good, everyone would have really great opinions. You'd have good selections. I love it. Um, okay. Current binge series. Okay. So this is TV, right? Yes. Okay. Because like, I know, you know, so many readers read like fantasy series and they get so into them, but oh, I'm, yes. I'm not a huge fantasy person. But, so, um, so my binge series, which is on my website, um, severance have you seen it I have not seen it but somebody else I feel like said that I did a podcast with said that that was their binge series I think it is so good I I mean it's so good it's completely like wackadoodle (laughs) and like it's so weird and bizarre and original and it's like super super tense and suspenseful and it's also hilarious at the same time I don't know who came up with this idea but I just I love it and the series the season ended with like the biggest cliffhanger ever and I was like what channel is it on I love a good cliffhanger oh gosh I can't remember is it it uh, I think it might be HBO Max okay Oh, I don't know. I, I, I wish I'd written that down. That's okay. We can look it up. Severance. Severance. Okay. And it's with Adam. I think his name is Adam Scott. Um, that that actor who's in like Big Little Lies. Do you know who Adam Scott? Yes. Okay. Yes. I love him. He's so like, I don't know. Quirk, he just has quirky his own or thing. something. Yeah. 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 There's something the about him. Yeah. And the show's quirky. So he's like a good, he has a really good fit. Okay, severance. Okay, I'm adding it to my list. Okay, now this is book. Last favorite book and current read. Okay, so the last favorite book that I just like fell head over heels for is Rules of Civility by Immortals. Ooh, I haven't read that, but I have that somewhere. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's it's a backlist. You know, it was published in 2012. Maybe it was his first novel. And um. I was visiting one of my best girlfriends in Boston recently and we were doing like a little indie bookstore, like pilgrimage. We were going to all these indie bookstores and she recommended that one to me. So I started reading it and it's just one of those, like, it's so beautifully written and it's a little bit slower paced, but it just feels kind of like, I don't know, like traveling down like a lazy river. Like Mm -hmm. you just, you just have to like sit back and like trust the author to like take you on this beautiful journey. And by the end of it, you're like, you feel like you've been in this person's life. Like you just feel like, you know, these people and it's just so transfixing. And it's set during, it's, it's a beautiful historical fiction. It's like set during the 1930s. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, it feels like that sort of, um, not the Gilded Age, but what did they call that? Oh, I can't remember, but um, just sort of like this like big society life in New York at that time and like how everybody's just sort of like clawing to, you know, work their way up like to the society top. Worker. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that, that was your last and what's your current? Okay, so my current is, um, so my brain has been completely broken with putting my book out in the world. And like, for the past few weeks, I'll literally open a book and like, my brain does not compute sentences because I'm like, ah, like so nervous about putting my book out. I don't know. Anyway, so finally, after my book launch on Tuesday, I went to the bookstore and I picked up The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. Yes. I just made it one of my book of the month. Like I added it on because I've heard so much, oh. like so many good things. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So I, I just started it. So I don't know yet, but I mean, I like it so far, but I picked it up because I heard it's like part mystery, but also part ghost story. Yes. Which like, that feels like a fun change of pace for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> like a ghost story. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that, yeah, I heard that too. I've only heard like really good things about, I've actually never read any of her books and she's read like a she has like a couple um, yeah yeah she has a couple I think this one because I did some research because I was like I need something super fun yeah so she, I think this one is the most highly rated and has the most reviews like on Goodreads um so I 
think this is like her like most successful one. Okay. So I'm really hoping that this like gets me out of my slump. Okay. I'm going to, you'll have to keep me posted on that. Cause I'm, okay. I have that in my pile. Um, cause I've heard good things too. So, yeah, um, right. okay. Describe your writing space. So the most important part is my window because, um, there's something that happens when you're like writing a book and you have to daydream. Um, and there's such a big difference between like looking out into an office and looking out into nature. So for some reason, looking out into nature is like, helps your brain work. It helps my brain work, I should say. So I write next to a big window and then, um, I have a huge, like four by five bulletin board on my far wall where I do my, uh, all my outline work. I also have a big whiteboard where I do my um, like brainstorming, like jotting down stuff. And then my favorite thing, it's kind of, my office is kind of a mess, but my favorite object on my desk is I have this phone that is um, like gold and engraved and it's like, it's a real working phone from, I mean, it's gotta be like the 1920s and, or maybe earlier and, or no, wait, when was the phone? Yeah. 1920s. That was like when the phone was invented. So maybe a little bit later, but I mean, when you pick it up, when you pick up the receiver, like you feel like you need to be smoking like a cigarette, cigarette. with like Corella DeVille's like yes. you know, the long cigarette holder. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. It's very, very fun. And there's something very fun about having it on my desk. So those are kind of the highlights of my space. Of your space. Love it. Um, name something chic. Okay. So my, I just had my book launch and um, I did a ton of online shopping for my book launch dress. Love. And I found this beautiful dress. It's like mid-length and it is um, black with white polka dots. And, um, it is very chic, but the place that I got it from is very, very chic. It is called Cezanne. Have you ever? I've heard of it, but I've never bought anything from there. I've heard of it though. Oh, it's delightful. I mean, so they're set in France. And when I got the dress, the box is, was like floral printed. It had like French, French and cursive. Like my address was like written in cursive and, and then you open it. And the dress was like wrapped in like rose colored tissue paper. And then I like smelled something and I was like, what is this? I leaned in literally the box and the tissue paper and the dress are all like scented Uh. with like French smelling perfume. And I was like, okay, I'm obsessed with this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is tray chic. (laughs) I mean, that sounds so chic. Yeah, it, it really made me feel like special for like buying this dress. I was like, oh, okay. Yes, and that's like perfect for a book release party. Like you need something mm-hmm. like that, something yeah. memorable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite book that you gift? Yes, as a matter of fact, like I should probably be getting commissions off this book because I have given so many of copies away. <laughs> oh. Um, But so it is The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. Yes. I haven't, but I actually have it in my Audible because I think Tom Hanks reads it. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> so good on Audible. You have to listen to it. Like okay. I, just, I give away physical copies, but really I should be giving away like Audible credits. credits. Tom Hanks is like magic on this. Literally, he would say the words like chapter three. And I would like laugh. I would start laughing. Like it was like I was like, oh my god, Tom Hanks! Like, what are you doing to me? He's so good. He's so good. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm so glad. I mean, I've only heard great things, and then I feel like every time in like all these like reading pages and stuff, people are like, that's like one of the best audibles I think of like oh. ever. People say. Oh yeah, I I think it's you know probably the best one I've ever listened to. So okay. Good. So good. Okay. Who read yours? Oh my gosh. Wonderful actors. So I had three. Oh wait, sorry for Ben and June or for, for, um, for, um, in her skin. skin. Yeah. So for in her skin, there's Bonnie Turpin. She read the, there's a detective, um, and Bonnie like narrates the hate you give and like the underground railroad. She's amazing. 
Um, Cassandra Campbell narrates the character of the author. And um, she, Cassandra is like famous for reading Where the Crawdads Sing. Yes. I love her. And then finally, Brittany Presley plays, there's a, like a small time actress in the book. Um, and so she, she um, narrates her and she actually narrates June in um, okay. June. Yeah. She's amazing. She narrates like every Odyssey book. Like, yeah. I mean, she's like everywhere. I can't okay. even like name like, I mean, she's everywhere. So, um, and then in, and then, um, and the truth about Ben in June, Ben is narrated by this guy named Pete Cross, who is amazing. He's so good. Like, it's so weird listening to your book because, you know, you think, okay, like, are these characters, or like, are these actors going to understand what I'm doing? Yeah. And it's like, they both like, I feel like they cracked open my head and like knew exactly how I wrote every sentence. It was like such a surreal. I mean, I can't even imagine. It's like something you did and people are like acting it out basically. I know. Yeah. It was very, it was like very surreal and a very good surprise listening to them. Okay. Good to know. Um, If you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why? I had a hard time with this one, but I would say... Me and Bobby McGee by Janis Joplin. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because I mean, who doesn't love Janis Joplin? And also, so actually, this song is in in her skin. Um, somebody does sings it in, on karaoke, <laughs> and I like love that scene. But one of the reasons I feel like it should be my theme song is because when it starts out, it is very, um, it's like folky and mm-hmm. soulful. But it's also very contained. And then like at the end of the song, it's like wild and free. And I feel like like Janice is just like embracing who she is as an artist. And I'm like, I like to think that like, I've had a similar tra- trajectory in my own career of like yeah. my voice, you know, and I'm like still doing it, still embracing who I am as an artist. So that's why I came up with that one. I love that. So good. You understood the assignment, Alice. <laughs> you had a whole meaning behind it. Love that. I did. Um, must have beauty item. Okay, so I discovered this beauty item years ago. It was recommended to me by my sister-in-law. Okay, it is called Double Extend Mascara by L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so it's great. Like, it's regular good mascara. It makes your lashes look good. But the best part about it is that I don't know how this is possible, but when you put it on, instead of like being liquid, it turns into like, this sounds funky, but it's not. It turns into actual like two extensions. On, yes. Yeah. Like on your eyelashes, mm-hmm. which is fine. It looks normal. But the best part about it is that when you're taking your makeup off at night, you just feel like, Grab do you know the Yes. There's like other um, mascaras that have that same, um, make, not makeup, but same formulation. That's like it. And it's so fun okay. to take it off because you're like, whoop, whoop. I feel yeah. like too, when I was looking just at like, like past, like book recommendations and stuff, you do have good, la- you have good lashes. Oh, thank you so much. I, I love good mascara. Same. And I feel like it's like really changed. I mean, changed my life is like, that's, that's a little I mean, dramatic, but you know, I mean, I've, I've been known to say a beauty product is dramatic. I'm just going to say, okay. I mean, we have to find these days, Alex, the little things that bring us joy. So if yeah. it's a tube mascara that partially changed your life, I'm here for that. So I, love it. I can relate. Um, and then, okay. If you could name one lipstick after a book, what would you call it? And what shade would it be? Okay, so this is my favorite question ever that I've been asked probably ever. Amazing. Good job. Um, Okay, so one of my favorite all-time books ever is Gone Girl. I mean, it's such a cliche to say, but like, it is such a good book. It is such a good book. So, okay, so you know, because you've read it, that like cool girl passage, like, you know, and like Gillian Flynn talking about like, you know, she gives her like biting social commentary of saying like society tells women they have to be the cool girl and, you know, hang with the boys and 
eat hamburgers, but never get fat and like all of that. Yeah. Okay. So there's, so there's the cool girl passage, which I love. I also love the fact that in Gone Girl, Gillian Flynn just like embraces not only like flawed and nuanced a female protagonist, but just like depraved, despicable mm-hmm. female protagonist. Mm-hmm. There's something very like refreshing about her not trying to give her any redeeming quality. She's just a villain and I love it. Yes. So, okay. So my lipstick shade is a play on the cool girl, but it's embracing the villainess. So I called it the cruel girl and it is just blood red. Love. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) We need to make, see, this is the problem. Some authors just give me these lipsticks and I'm like this, like I would buy that. I would buy that. (laughs) If that was like beautifully packaged with Mm -hmm. a copy of Gone Girl, like with a fun little bow, like what? Like that would be the best gift ever to get ever in eternity. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. I had so much fun thinking about that. That one's real. That was, that's really good. Well, cause she's just like, and then, um, what's her name? That was Rosamond Pike. Rosamond Pike. Yeah. Is like, was so perfect. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris, but all of that, like that was such a good, it was just so good. I love that book. Love. I thought the movie was great. She was perfect. She was cool, but she was scary. She was was scary. Yes. I love her. I love every bit of it. Same. Love the haircut at the end. I mean, I'm yes. Oh my god! All, when she's like in the all white outfit, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And last question: best advice you've ever received. Okay. So how I got into this one was that I'm a huge nerd, and I am doing Harry Potter trivia now with some of my girlfriends. I mean, so. love Harry <laughs> Potter. That's not, that's not nerdy. And when people talk, when people talk about, okay, I will just do a quick story about my journey with Harry Potter. I'll say this very fast. I, my roommate in college read Harry Potter and I was like, and I, you, like you said before, I'm not like fantasy Mm sci-fi-ish, like mystical, not my thing really. And I was commuting from Boston to where I, I grew up in Gloucester. And so I was commuting back and forth. I had these long train rides and I, the Harvard Coop was across. I worked at Children's Hospital. And one day I was like, everyone was reading Harry Potter. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just buying this book. Like, this is crazy that I'm even purchasing this. I'm buying it. I'm going to see what's all the hype's about. I know in, within 10 pages, I'm going to put it down. I bought it. I hid it behind a newspaper because I was embarrassed. I was like, <laughs> no one is ever knowing the cool people that I ride the train with who are not cool. <laughs> are not going to know. I read it the from when we left to getting to Gloucester. So it's an hour. I yeah. read the first book yeah. and I could not, I mean, I can't even say enough good things about Harry Potter. The <laughs> only thing I'll say to people that are like, oh, I can't like do Harry Potter is I'm like, there is an article that a psychologist wrote about people who read Harry Potter are tend to be better people in the world. There you go. That's all the justification <laughs> that I That's need. That's it. <laughs> Aside from it being beyond so, I mean, it's so good. It's but so anyways, I cut you off. I'm sorry. But I had, when well, you said that, I'm like, it's not. And I have to tell you that I did think it was, but I came to a spot where I'm like loud and proud Harry Potter fan. Yeah. No, I love, I love hearing the stories about people who discovered it as adults because I discovered it like, like you know, I was a kid and my mom started reading it to me. Well, my sister like put it off. She was, she's not that much of a reader. And then she had a similar thing as you when she was in college, she started reading Harry Potter and she was like, oh, so that's what this is about. This is what the fuss is about. I'm like, yeah, so good. So I'm always here for a Harry Potter story because, you know, you meet people and it's kind of like, are you a Harry Potter fan or are you not like that mm-hmm. kind of thing? So mm-hmm. it's nice to know that you are. Um, okay. So anyway, so I'm in Harry Potter trivia and they do like trivia each month based on like one book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm re- I'm listening to the book of um, order of the Phoenix right now, the fifth mm-hmm. one. And there's this quote that I love and Jenny says it. And she says, it's something like, 
anything's possible if you've got enough nerve. And she's like quoting, or she's saying it about like her brothers, like Fred and George, because they're so courageous. So I realize this isn't a piece of advice per se, but every accomplishment, every piece of success I've ever, I've ever had in my life is, I mean, I can attribute it to the sheer fact that I had, I was able to muster enough courage to try. Mm-hmm. So I love the advice that, you know, being scared is okay. Like just put yourself out there. You know, it's okay to look stupid. It's okay to fail. It's okay to be scared. Just have courage and try, you know, go after what you want and have courage to try. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. If you decide to be a mom, Alex, you have so much things to share with your future little ones. You're ending it on a note that I'm like, you should be sharing that with little people in this world. (laughs) The love of reading and the love of Harry Potter. (laughs) My big thing is I'm like, oh man, if I don't have kids, like I'm never really going to be able to introduce anybody to Harry Potter. So like that's, that sucks, you know? Yeah. But you know, you would, even if you didn't, you, you, you would, you would just by talking about it. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll find someone they'll, 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 they'll become a fan. I know it. Um, well, I love this book. Like I mentioned before, I love this chat. I feel like we could, we could chat for like 10 hours. People would be like, what is that? What are they talking about? What did you find? I know people would listen, um, but I can't, I just can't wait to see what else like you have. Like, I just love this book so much. And I hope I like, this is such a good discussion book. So when people read it and I'm, I'm talking to all of my friends that are listening, I'm like, this is, would be such a good book club book. Like it brings up so many great topics and where can people find you on Instagram? So we can follow all of your latest Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. So I'm an Instagram at Alex Keister writer and it's K Keister is K I E S T E R. And then writer, Mm -hmm. like, you know, a writer. Some people think I'm saying like, a horse writer but no oh. like writer <laughs> of books <laughs> Alex Keister writer yes yeah and then okay. my website is alexkeister.com and you can you know contact me through that and find out a lot about me there too yes and go on audible and get in her skin and all the things so thank you so much this was so fun thank you this is like the best I love this lipstick <laughs> idea we have let's yes like a lot of money let's do this we are doing this <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody for tuning in.